How good is good news if the person who needs to hear the good news doesn't ever get to hear it? Suppose uh, in, a, in about a month, it'll probably be the Cowboys versus the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And I have two tickets, and I just love to give them to you. And it's an all-expense-paid trip. It's got the housing, it's got the food, it's got the, the stay, and everything. And it's got the box seats so that everybody is going to come wait on you. You're kind of like the, the special guest for the, the game. Wouldn't that be great news? But how good is that news if I have these two tickets and I never say, here, Scott, here you go. What about uh, somebody who's, who has cancer and they are... They're, they're laying in bed, but there's this miracle drug that's been created that's going to make anybody with cancer feel better. All they got to do is take a little pill. But if that person never knows about that little pill, is that good news that that's even out there? Is that good news to that person? Or somebody who, you got, the kids are going back to school this week, and you take a test, and everybody in the whole class plunks it. Well, the teacher decides to be nice and say, okay, everybody, while you are, uh, I'm going to give you guys, if you guys will come in tomorrow during your lunch break, I'll let you retake this test. I'll let you use your books. I'll let you use your notes. I'll let you use your friends. But it's got to be in that half an hour lunch break that you get. But you're the person who snuck out of the room to get a drink, uh, to use the bathroom for whatever reason. You're not in the room when that happens. Everybody else takes that test and everybody passes with flying colors except for you. How good of news is that to you if you never heard it? It's, it's not good news, right? You could be happy for somebody else, but that does absolutely nothing for you. It's great to know that I thought about you with the Super Bowl tickets, uh, that there was this out there, but if you never knew about it, it's not good news. And the shepherds, we're going to look at their, their experience today. The angels told the shepherds the good news. And the, the shepherds, they could have just kept it for themselves and said, hey, I have this good news. But this good news was given for everybody in the whole world. But if the shepherds didn't go tell people, is, there, is it good news for everybody? If they don't know, then it's not good news. But the shepherds said, we're going to take this good news and we're going to share it with, with the people of Bethlehem. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And we're gonna, the first thing we're going to see is the good news is for everyone. Now, that's a pretty obvious statement. Um, you can find it in the Bible that the good news is for everyone. But immediately, people might be coming to your mind. Boy, you know, I, I know this coworker needs to hear the gospel, but they're, they're, they're the kind of person who's not going to believe me if I tell them. I mean, I can't say, here's the proof that this exactly happened, except for what the Bible says. There might be people you think, well, that person's, uh, pretty scary to talk to. Uh, that person in jail doesn't even deserve to hear the good news. But the good news is for everyone. And it doesn't matter what your political status is, what your financial status, what if your social status or your economic status. And when the angels came and told the shepherds, they went to the bottom rung of the social ladder and said, hey, we're going to tell you guys and let you guys trickle that up. Because I don't know how well that would have trickled down. I think a lot of those uh, people who, the, the well-off people of the town, probably would have kept it for themselves. I'm not going to associate with the shepherds. Those are people that are unclean. I'll be unclean if I hang out with them. Those people are the outcasts. There's, 
We don't, we're not on the same level. There's no reason for me to talk to those people. But the shepherds, they did not respond the same way. They said, I'm going to share this good news with other people. The good news is for everybody. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now, the shepherd's job is probably pretty obvious. You'd be out in the fields with your sheep, day in and day out, month in, month out, year in, year in, year out. And your job was to protect the sheep. Now, I don't know how, how much experience you have with sheep, but sheep are not the greatest animal. They don't taste that good. They're not that bright. They are very defenseless. When I mean, if you, if you get a, a bunch of sheep together and there's a big attack on them, they can run like the wind. And you just got to, the shepherd's job was to protect them. And that, to me, does not seem like a lot of fun. You're, you're out there with nobody else except for sheep and a few other outcasted shepherds. That's not a lot, of, a lot of communication you can have with people. Your job was to lead them to food. This, this part of this field is, is uh, they've grazed down. We've got to move over here. We've got to take, take them to water. But your whole life resolve, resolve, revolves around sheep. Now, if you were to say, hey, I'm going to go out with my cows, and uh, I'm just going to sit there and watch them eat, pretty exciting it doesn't matter what day of the week is. I'm sure you'd like to just feed them as quick as possible and get on with your life and do something else. But all the shepherds did is they just sat there looking out for, for predators, making sure the sheep are okay, making sure one's not wandering off. That was their job. And they were, like I said, they were looked down on. They were outcasts. People did not look highly at them. Even though they gave their whole life to watching these sheep and the sheep were used for sacrifices, these people were, were low. They were unclean, and they never could get to the temple to be made clean. And so everything about them was something that said, stay away from these people. They got a very important job to do. I don't want to be one, and I don't want to be around them. But they said, we're going to share this good news with the people of Bethlehem. The good news that they shared with the people of Bethlehem is the same good news that is what is needed in our lives. We, the good news is for us, too. The good news that Jesus came to this earth to be a savior, to die on the cross to pay for the punishment for the sins that we did, that's the same good news that's been passed on and passed on partly because the shepherds took that opportunity and they had the courage to share the good news with other people. The good news is supposed to be shared. If you, if you know you have, I mean, if I have the Super Bowl tickets and I know that you need them or you want them, and I, and I want to give them to you, am I going to do that? Of course. If I know I have the, the one little pill that's going to cure you of cancer and I find out you have cancer, am I going to give that? Are you guys going to give that to somebody? Of course you're going to. If somebody's lost and you know exactly how to get them out of the harm's way and get them back to safety, are you going to tell them? 
Of course you are. And that's exactly the same thing the shepherds did. They went to the town of Bethlehem, and they told people about the Savior that's going to be born, this little baby named Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard about it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, when you watch Christmas specials, and you, you just you hear this, you hear a simple little story of shepherds going, knocking on some doors and telling some people about Jesus. But if you think about this, this is Bethlehem. There's lots and lots of strangers in town because people are going to their hometown to be registered, to be counted. So there's lots of people who are probably knocking on doors. Hey, do you got a room that I can stay at? There's lots of strangers, which means what? Lots of trouble. And these, these shepherds are going to go and tell people about something that's pretty hard to believe. Okay, uh, I'm going to go knock and say, hey, guess what? Uh, to somebody's house that I don't know, an angel talked to me. Okay, well, that's really hard to believe. I mean, if you came and told me an angel talked to you, as much as I like you, I'm going to have a hard time believing that. I, I imagine going and telling a stranger, hey, I, an angel talked to me. Okay, so what did the angel tell you? He said, there's a baby that's going to be born in a manger. Does that sound believable? I mean, maybe if you thought about a bunch of people coming to town and someone happens to be pregnant and having a kid. And oh, by the way, this little baby is going to be the savior of the world. Now that goes from hard to believe to harder to believe to be almost an impossible thing to believe. And the shepherds got to go do this. They got to tell people about this little baby that's going to be born. Me personally, I'm afraid there's going to be a pitchfork on the other end telling me to get off their property because they don't know me from Adam. They don't have porch lights. They don't have the, all the luxuries that we have. It's just a dark little hut. You got a candle. Okay, who's at the door? And you got these shepherds excited to tell everybody about this that's going on. It'd be very scary. And like I said, these are the outcasts. You, you feel like you, people avoid you now? I'd be afraid that people would really want to avoid me if I'm going to go tell them something that they may not believe. Fortunately, it says these people were amazed at what they had heard. But the gospel is for all people. So let me ask you, who have you shared the gospel with? Who have you shared the good news with? Have you shared it with your best friend or your family neighbor or your, your family member? What about your neighbor who watches you leave every Sunday to go somewhere? Have you shared the gospel with them? Or the stranger at a gas station who has no idea who you are? Have you ever tried sharing the gospel with him or her? Uh, when was the last time you tried to share the gospel? Because maybe you have. You say, yeah, Josh, I have shared it with my neighbor. And I have shared it with a family member. When's the last time you did it? Uh, about a week and a half ago, uh, I had the opportunity to, to share the gospel with a guy. I, I had put my pack on, and I got ready, and I went to the edge of the airplane, and I jumped out. All I was doing was delivering uh, cinnamon rolls. Leslie had made cinnamon rolls, something she's done for like five or six years, and me and the boys were the messengers, which we always are the messenger when that happens. It gets easier as it goes. Well, I was talking to this neighbor... And uh, all, I just invited him to the Christmas Eve story, or to the Christmas Eve play. And he, this was not like your very happy, normal kind of neighbor. This was kind of intimidating. 
And uh, his wife kind of explained to him who I was. And so he's like, well, how do you like that gig? You're like preaching. I'm like, well, it's not exactly a gig. It's something that God has asked me to do. And I really like it here. And it just, that stunned him. Anyway, uh, I said, why don't you come to the Christmas Eve service? And he goes, well, I've missed that boat. And I, I kind of almost missed it. And I was like, no, you didn't. You didn't miss that boat. I said, you're still alive. I said, there are people in the Bible, like Saul in the Bible, who killed Christians. And look at him. He, now he's, he, he got saved, and now he's sharing Christ with all sorts of other people. I said, uh, it doesn't matter what you've done. If, if, it's, if you've done a little thing or a bad thing. Because James 2.10 says, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at one point, guess what? You're guilty of everything. I said, I'm guilty of murder. I, that like dropped his jaw. I'm guilty of adultery. I'm guilty of theft. I said, but if you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, Psalms 103 says, as far as the east is from the west, that's as far as God will separate your sin from you. And the guy, all he could do was just, he was just, I think, surprised. Someone wasn't coming at him saying, you're a sinner and you need God or you're going to hell. It was just saying, hey, you can have your sins forgiven. And the guy, he just looked at me stunned. I cannot believe what you're telling me. And that was the end of the conversation. But he didn't miss that boat. And it's, it is so, it's something that is need to be shared with people. And it doesn't even have to be something where I'm going specifically. But I felt like God opened up the door. And I felt like God gave me the words to say that I, did, I didn't go up there expecting to do this. It didn't even cross my mind. But the next thing you know, this is what's coming out of my mouth. Now, uh, I know it's scary to go share your faith with people, but God's not asking anybody to go unprepared. The shepherds, they went, when, before they told the people about Jesus, about this little baby that was born in a manger, they went and checked it out. In Luke chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, it says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Well, let's go to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. They could have. They could have said, okay, the angels told us this. Let's go tell people. We could do the same thing. I mean, you might convince people. The pastor said, this is what the good news is. The guy on the radio said, this is what the good news is. And he says, I'm supposed to tell people. So guess what? I'm going to tell you what the good news is. But you can also check it out for yourself. Even in this passage, you find out that the, the Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. And then you can find out in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You don't have to go without the answers. You have this whole Bible. You have the gospel listed several times with answers. Because I know that's one of the fears is, well, I don't know all the answers to what people are going to say. I don't know where it's located in Scripture. I'm afraid, and I, don't, I'm, I understand that. I, I mean, that was the easiest time about, I've ever had sharing the gospel with somebody. But I remember when I was going to Moody in, in Spokane, I took a, a really scary, it's the worst class I ever took, called Personal Evangelism. Do you know what you have to do in that class? You have to tell people about Jesus, and your grade is based off of it. And if you don't do it, you don't pass. And it's, it's, it's not one where you can go to college, I'm going to take this class and pass this, skip that class. Everybody had to take personal evangelism. 
And so as a grade, I had to do that. I, I had to tell three people. I went and told my grandpa, no, my Uncle John. I told my Uncle John, that's scary. You know, like some kid who's 18 telling some guy who's 40 that, and he's Catholic, and well, here's what the gospel is. Nothing happened. He's, he's still alive, but nothing's happened. I went and told my parents' neighbor, and he, he's, he started telling me things I didn't know about the Bible. He didn't go to church. He wasn't a God-fearing man, but he just started. It's like, okay, so that's scary. And I even did it at a gas station. Walked up to some guy I don't even know. Uh, I was at work, and I, we were at the gas station getting some supplies. And I walked up. I got to do this, and I told this guy about Jesus. He never got saved. There's no guarantee that every time you tell someone about Jesus, they're going to get saved. But you know what? The results aren't up to you. All you are is what the bulletin says. Evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's what D.T. Uh, D. Niles said. It's, you, it's not your job to save people. It's not my job to save people. All I can do is say, hey, look, here's the bread. Why don't you come try it? Here's the salvation. Why don't you taste and see that the Lord is good? But I can't force feed him. I can't make him believe it. I can't make him accept it. I can't make anybody do anything. My job is to just tell people about Jesus. There's a fear of rejection. There's a fear of losing a job. Because if at work, you know, your boss needs Jesus just as much as the little kid in Sunday school needs Jesus, just as much as the neighbor kid needs Jesus. And there's a fear you could lose your job. The worse persecution gets for you means the closer it is for Jesus to come back. So everybody needs the gospel. We need to share the gospel because people aren't going to know the gospel if we don't. We can live good Christian lives and we can do nice things like Here's these goodie bags for the, the uh, superior caravilla, and we can give uh, uh, cinnamon rolls, and we could do all sorts of things. But there's, there's a point where you got to open your mouth, and you got to tell people about Jesus. The, the call to worship verse that we were re- reading, Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 15. No, that's not right. Not Romans 10. That's what I have written down. You read the right thing. Romans 10, 13, 15. Yes, there it is. I was in the wrong spot. It says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on the one in whom they have not believed on? Makes sense. How can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? There are a lot of people who need to know that good news is out there, but they don't even know that good news is there. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Your stinky, smelly feet, how beautiful are they? Because you went somewhere and you took the gospel to somebody. So who are you going to tell? Are you going to muster up the, the guts to go to school and tell someone on your basketball team that they need Jesus? Are you going to go talk to your coworker at lunch and say, Hey, I, I, I know there's this good news that maybe you haven't heard about. And I'm, I want to tell it to you. It's your choice if you're going to receive it or reject it. But I got to tell you. 
Or are you going to go on a mission field, on a mission trip, go across the, the, the big waters to some little t- country and tell people about Jesus? Because people are not going to know if you do not tell them. And we all got to think, I have the good news. Somebody told me the good news. Maybe it was risky for somebody to tell you the good news. Because I know parents who, who don't even do a good job of trying to share the gospel with their own kids let alone the guy next door, let alone somebody at camp or somebody at work. So I know it can be intimidating for anybody to tell someone about Jesus. But someone told you the good news. Who are you going to tell? Who are you going to pass it on to? So everybody needs the good news. We got to do it. And we got to praise the God who gave us the good news in the first place, which is something that the shepherds did. In Luke 2.20, it says, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. If you look in your bulletin, you see that the sheep, they were also glorifying and praising God at the same time the shepherds did. That's a little joke, but, you know, uh, God does love everybody. And he does. I, I wouldn't be surprised if all creation even though you don't see trees talking and clapping their hands, I think all creation gets excited because God has, because somebody has gotten saved. When the shepherds came and talked to these people, they had great joy and excitement because they knew what it meant. It, they were, some people have been looking for the Savior, some people didn't, but everybody needed the Savior. Now, something I want to challenge you with, if, if you do know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you say, hey, I thank God for my salvation— I'm going to tell you, it's something that we should do every single day. We should thank God every single day. And I don't do that every day. I don't wake up and say, God, I remember this gift of salvation that you gave me. But I should. You know, it's easy to, if I got a problem, to go to God multiple times. God, I want this. God, somebody's sick. Somebody um, needs a job. Somebody needs help. And I'll go and pray, pray, pray. And then when that answer gets answered, I'll say, thank you, God. And it's real easy to move on to the next problem, the next issue that I want to pray for. But i got to remember, and it's important to tell God, thank you every day. Thank you that today that I'm saved. Thank you that yesterday that I was saved. Because it's something that we get to enjoy every day, God's salvation. It was a one-time request, a one-time payment that he made. But we can thank God every day for that. But praising God and glorifying God isn't just lip service. It isn't just... Okay, I, I say my two sentences of thank you, God, for salvation. It's something that you do with your whole life. The, the way I live my life should be glorifying and praising God. The, the things that I'm, uh, my attitude at work should be glorifying and praising God. The fact that I share with other people is a way to glorify and praise God. Praying for and supporting missionaries, other people who are, who are taking up the, the call to go and share the good news, is a way of glorifying and praising God. The God who gave us the good news. But let me ask you, can you glorify and praise God? The shepherds could because they heard the good news and they accepted it as good news. But if you've not accepted the good news of Jesus Christ as your Savior, who came to serve to pay for the punishment for your sins, you cannot glorify and praise God for that good news. You can say, somebody's telling me it's good news, but if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's, you're not glorifying or praising God. You've heard it, but you haven't made the choice for that salvation. God sent his son Jesus so that we could have good news. 
We need to accept that good news, and we need to share it with other people. Today we have the, the privilege of having communion. Uh, we, get a, we get to celebrate the good news of salvation that came through Jesus Christ when he came to this earth to die on a cross to pay for our sins. Now we all know how, why you even need good news in the first place. It's because you have bad news, right? If you have uh, bad news, I lost my keys. Good news is my kids found my keys. I, I lost my job. Good news is I found my job or I found a job. I flunked the test. The teacher gave me another way to, to pass the test, and I was able to pass it. Those are examples of bad news, but those really aren't that bad of news. I mean, it might feel bad, but it's not that bad because it's something that man could do something about to help you. The bad news that's the worst bad news is that I am a sinner, and I can't do anything to help myself. I can't be good enough. I can't say, God, I'm sorry enough. Give me another chance. It's only by Jesus dying on the cross to take my punishment for me that I even have the opportunity of having this good news. In, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we, we can read about a little bit more about the good news. And we, we have the opportunity to celebrate communion. And there's a little piece of bread, which I'm sure everybody knows, and a little cup of juice. In 1 Corinthians 11... Verses 23 through 25, we can see what that represents. It says, For I received from the Lord what I pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you drink this bread... I'm sorry, you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There's a little piece of bread down here, and it represents Jesus' body. And there's a little cup of juice that represents Jesus' blood for the price that he paid to give us this good news. But it's something that we, we don't take lightly. It's not something that you just say, hey, here's your turn, here's your turn. You take a little bread, you take a little juice. It's, it's, it's a celebration, it's remembrance, but it's not the kind of thing that you take lightly. Verses 27 through 30 help us to see that. It says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. It says, A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. For these people, if they, if they, people were getting sick and people were dying because they were taking this in an unworthy manner, meaning either they didn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior in the first place, or because they had unconfessed sin between them and God. And so let a man examine himself. So I want to take just a couple minutes before I call the man up and say, hey, Make sure everything between you and God is right. If you need Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's very simple. Ask Jesus to save you from the punishment of your sins. And if there's some sin that God brings to your mind that you need to confess and make right between you and him, I'd encourage you to do that now.